Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Hi, Rory. Welcome back. It is great to be here, Paul. We're going to talk about three things today. What do you have on the agenda? All right. The first thing is the importance of coaching. Okay. The second is going to give you a real-life example of a coaching example. And then the third is how to coach up. Because so many people talk about coaching employees, but we're going to give you an example, a concept with regards to how to coach up. And so we're going to talk about those three concepts today. Well, I think most people would think, oh, yeah, coaching is important. But right. what, what is the importance of coaching when it comes to personal development or even the organization's goals? Yeah, and I've got a, I've got a great example here. I've just been reading the book. Uh, Rising to Power, The Journey of Exceptional Executives by Ron Carucci and Eric Hansen. And the forward is written by Paul Mass. He's the president of Conagra. And he tells a great story in here. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it and talk about it a little bit, but then break it down what he's talking about. Okay. So he was at uh, Conagra, and he was a trader, and he got promoted being president of Conagra. And he says, everything was going well. Uh, then, of course, I realized that leadership is not a formula. And so he said there some problems arose. And his higher-ups asked him to have a comprehensive 360-degree assessment. And it said he said it came at the exactly the right time. He, he believes now, in retrospect, had he not done the 360 evaluation at that point, he may not have survived. So I, I think you're talking about something that is typical. Right. Where someone is a, a outstanding individual performer. Right. And then they get promoted into management without maybe the necessary background and skills for coaching. Absolutely. So what are the transferable skills that people need to bring to it, you think? Well, there's a number of transferable skills, but I'm going to back up just for a second okay. and, and talk about what the impact was of his his situation. Okay, so he so he got he, he was the outstanding contributor, he got promoted. Right. Then there were issues. Right. So it they was did the three sixty. They did the three sixty feedback. He asked his team what they thought of him right i mean okay. it, it was it sounds like it was put on him from his higher-ups okay you've got to do this okay so nobody's <laughs> that saying always fun to do yeah right? you're saying well that i don't want to have a 45 page and you'd love to have a 45 page uh valentine uh this was not <laughs> right. a 45 page valentine right, right okay this was constructive feedback yeah with yeah. a little pain involved okay and he and, and what he said is he realized at the 45-page assessment, revealed that I was suffocating my people. I was pulling them all toward me as a result and driving all of my decisions my way. Mm. It was the uh, Frank Sinatra leadership <laughs> style. <laughs> and, and he couldn't even sing, right? I don't think he could sing. Right. And so he said, uncertain of who I was, they were coming to me for help, and I was giving them the answers. And I thought I was helping oh. them solve the problems, but they were feeling crippled by my problem-solving and worse, they were feeling alienated as if they didn't matter mm. and that I had disempowered them. The result was they was further than what my intentions were, but yet there it was in black and white. He didn't have any intentions of doing that, but it, that's what's happening. And so just to, so he was he thought he was trying to help people by just quickly giving them the answers, but he really uh, showed that their opinions and their development didn't matter to him. Right. He. He thought because he had the throne, mm -hmm. they would come to him like underlings in the uh, in the castle, 
and he would bestow wisdom all day long from his CEO executive office. And that's not what people want. They want to be involved. They want to be part of the process. And so from that, he learned to use the coaching model that I'm teaching people to use, and that is John Whitmore's coaching performance, is learning how to ask questions to involve people so that you can manage them more effectively. And so what he did ultimately is he learned to ask questions to get them involved. So just a, a real quick example. A manager will come to you and say, hey, we've got this problem with this and this problem with this and this problem with this. And then you might say, why don't you do this and do this and do that and do this? Mm-hmm. Well, some managers will do reverse delegation with you, and, and they'll do that for CYA. Right. Know, they're going to cover their tail. Right. But what you really want to do is you want to involve them because you know, you're paying them buku money. Mm-hmm. They're highly skilled individuals. So they wouldn't be where they're at. You wouldn't have them at, at a, you know, one of your right-hand people. So you need to take them and say, okay, what would you do? Let's look at this problem. What are the pros? What are the cons? The other thing why you do that is, and, and I've had a CEO I've been coaching with for about two and a half years, and she said the thing that's been transformative for her is she used to, to do that style, and she would tell people the answers. And now what she does is, have you looked at this? What did you think about that? Have you looked at this angle? What's this process? So now they know that she's going to ask a whole boatload of questions. So they prepare themselves. Bingo. Right. So now it's not, it's not her saying, go back and do this homework. They've done the homework before they come in. And, and look at the time-saving factor of that. Right. I mean— it, Well, you, you, you think you're busy, and I don't have time to do that right now. I want to quickly give them the answer. Right. But in truth, you're saving a tremendous amount of time in both you and your employees' um, productivity time all the way through for the future. Right, because two things are going to happen. One is you're going to have greater engagement for your employees, and they're going to stay longer. So when they stay longer and you've used this model to teach them, you get that cumulative effect of knowledge that they're gathering. Because when you have, when you, when you have people, you know, I bet you know, Paul Mass at Conagra had turnover in his senior executives, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons they did the 360 evaluation. That's what you typically see with organizations have problems is right. you see turnover. Well, if you don't have the turnover, look at the amount of money you save with the organization, but look at the momentum that you build, and you lose momentum when you don't coach effectively. So that's that's uh, you know that's the the challenge or the key to to the process. So so that's a great example of the importance of coaching, um, how you can get feedback, use that feedback, um, and develop yourself and your. Um, folks around you by asking these questions absolutely involving them in the process is the key to success so so let's why don't we take a pause here and then i want to we can come back and just really i want to know more about using these skills to empower people and how that's so transformative okay okay perfect thanks for it thank you on the power of goals and leadership. He says, the best boss I ever had was Ewing Kaufman. And I said, why? And he says, Ewing Kaufman was so good at firing up a group. He gave great presentations and he could fire us up. And so he had a presentation one day where he had all the sales team. And he said, you know, we've got to go out and beat last year's goals. We've got to really get after it. And he had them all fired up. They could just run through walls for Ewing Kaufman. And they were all fired up. And he says, right now, reach in your pocket and get your business card out. And he says, in that business card, what I want you to do is I want you to write down on that business card how much you're going to beat your quota by. 
So he said they were so fired up. People just wrote incredible numbers. Then they all started to walk out. But Ewing Kaufman beat him to the back door. And while he was there, he held his hand out. Give me that card. Exactly right. Give me that card. He collected all the cards. What do you think he did? Every month, he monitored their sales. I said, what was the result? He said, the results were pretty simple. He challenged me to be the best I'd ever been in my entire life. I had the most sales that year I'd ever had. And for the company, we had the most sales ever. See the power of leadership? For more information on booking Rory for speaking or coaching, please visit RoryRoland.com. And welcome back. All right. Coach Rory. Yes. You're going to tell us some good stuff. Well, we're going to talk right now about kind of an example of coaching. And, and I don't think But I've reading, been reading the book by Angela Duckworth called Grit, and I just love the concept. I love the book, and I highly recommend it. But in the book, she was she reached out to Anders Ericsson, and Anders Ericsson is the, one of the world-renowned experts on experts. He studied hmm. world-class chess masters, and he studied Olympic gold medalists. And what he's tried to do is, over his lifetime, try to understand people and what, what makes them excel, what makes them the best that they are. And so she thought it would be great to talk to him and, and say, hey, I've been, I've been jogging for years. Okay. And, you know, why aren't I an Olympic champion, even though I've been working at it for years? Because there's this concept in the world about the 10,000-hour rule. Yes. And the 10,000-hour rule says, you know, 10,000 hours, you become an expert. And she thought, you know, she spent hours and hours and hours upon this. I'd be an expert. And what they've actually discovered is, yes, you do need 10,000 hours to be an expert and to be, you know, to be really, really good at your skill, but it has to be refined and mm. specific practice. And she tells a, a story about uh, Rowdy Gaines, who was an Olympic gold medalist. And she said, what made you an Olympic gold medalist? And he'd say, my coach would tell me, his I need coach. to, I, his, his coach mm -hmm. would say, I want you to do, uh, you know, 10 100-meter races in practice today, and I want you to do each one of them under a minute mm. and, and 15 seconds. And Rowdy would, would try. He'd say, okay, I do a minute 15 today, but tomorrow he'd try to do a minute 14. And he was always pushing himself to get better, and that's where Angela wasn't doing that, and he was. But the thing that was fascinating was in the conversation in her book was the conversation between Anders Ericsson and herself. Anders Ericsson has studied world-class experts, and he recognizes this coaching model uh, that came from, you know, uh, the inner game of tennis with Timothy Galloway, and then obviously John Whitmore's book, Co Coaching Performance. She understood that he understood this model, and so he used it just absolutely subconsciously when he talked to her. So I'm going to kind of go, kind of mimic their discussion of okay. what they did. And so she went to him and she said, "Okay, I've been running for a long time, three to four weeks for years. Why haven't I improved?" Hmm. And so the first question he asked her is, he said. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Mm. And in coaching, that's so important to ask permission to ask. Okay. Do you mind if I ask you a right. few questions? You're setting up that you're the whole process. That you're going to do the whole whole uh, questions about what's what happening, what what's going on with them. Bingo. You're going to go through all this whole sequence, mm -hmm. but you get permission, and, and you initially get their buy-in. And so often, when people try to sell, they say, "Let me tell you about this." Okay. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I love bourbon. All right, <laughs> I love bourbon, and the, and the guy at the liquor store knows I love bourbon. But he tried to tell me the other day about Irish whiskey. I don't care about Irish whiskey. 
I want to know about bourbon. Mm-hmm. And so he took me over, and he was trying to sell me Irish whiskey. I had no interest. But if he had talked about bourbon and what are you looking for and what do you like and all of that, if he had asked me, involved me, he'd have done that. So let's talk about going back to Angela Duckworth and how she did it. Okay. So he says, do you mind if I ask a few questions? She says, sure. He says, uh, you know, what do you think about when you're running? She goes, well, I think about, you know, uh, what I'm going to make for dinner, my to-do list, uh, projects I'm working on. He says, okay. He says, you know, what's your goal of running? She goes, well, I just want to kind of lose some weight and stay in my skinny jeans. And that's a noble goal. He says, what do you want to accomplish with running? She goes, well, just stay healthy. You know, that's really what I want to do. He says, do you keep a diary of running and you record how fast you run or things like that or how many, you know, what your minutes per mile is? She goes, no, I really, I really don't. I just go out and run because I want to run for health and I enjoy it and all of that. And he says, you know, do you have a coach? And she says, no. And, and, and so now you notice right there, that's the whole coaching process. And he says, okay, from those questions, you know, that I asked you, how would an Olympic champion answer those questions? Right. You know, right. w- what would they think about when they're running? They're thinking about how, how can I be fluid? How can I be resistant? What is the line that I'm taking right here? Is mm-hmm. this the best way to take this curve? Is, you know, is my form correct? Right. They're going to be thinking well, about that. Well, they would be... They would be at least thinking of what the coach told them to think about. Right. Yeah. And they'd be thinking about their focus, what they want to accomplish. And then, you know, what's your goal of running? Well, they're, you know, an Olympic athlete, their goal is to either make the Olympics or to be a medalist. Right. To be the best in the world. Bingo. That's their goal. What do they want to accomplish? They want to accomplish something that significant matters in her life. Her goal of running was just to run. And so the distinction is what happened. Could she be an Olympic athlete? We don't know. Okay, she mm-hmm. she may have the skill set to do that, but we don't know because she didn't push herself to to discover that. That wasn't her effort. Mm-hmm. You know, her effort was studying what makes exceptional people exceptional, and and I love that concept that sh- that sheer idea of grit. But it was just great to see in the book Anders Ericsson talking about what the distinction and difference is between uh, you know being world class and just running for fun. And it's okay. Both are noble, but both are different. So to me, the, the concept there is the coaching. Right. The asking the questions. Bingo. The, the setting the goals. Right. The, um, the, the identifying what the ultimate purpose of the activity mm-hmm. is as well. Right. You know, I, I, I guess I think that running just to run is an okay goal too, but bingo, you, you can, you should have that identified if you want to improve. Right. Does I mean, that make sense? Okay. Yeah, because yeah. she was running for a worldly goal. Mm-hmm. She wanted to lose weight. She wanted to stay in her skinny jeans, all of that. But her goal was never to be a world-class athlete. So how could she expect to be a world-class athlete if that was never her goal? And not to say that you could be a world-class athlete just because you'd make that your goal and you work towards it. You'll find out over time. But what you learn from that process can transform it here right. too. But the thing I wanted to talk about is, is Anders Ericsson just so – casually what he did is he created awareness and a sense of responsibility for her to make the decision he didn't tell her well i'll tell you why you're not you're not making progress (laughs) because you know what you're thinking about what you're doing what you know you're not you don't have a focus you don't have a goal you don't keep a diary you're not trying to push yourself not trying to do that you can almost see if somebody told you that in a conversation you'd have just almost initial resistance you you don't want to talk to that person much longer Mm -hmm. but the way that he did it it was so you know, so fluid, so inviting. It involved her in the conversation. You know, he he probably assumed and knew all of those things because he knew to ask those questions. He'd been studying world class athletes for for decades. 
So he knew what she was yeah, doing. He, he knew the he difference. Knew, and he knew the answers to what she should do. Right. But he had to get her to know the answers. Bingo. And there's the real power of persuasion. That's right. Is not telling her what she did right or wrong, but having her become aware of what she did right or wrong. And then that's the power of coaching is, to, is when you create that awareness. And, and you, what you want is you don't want to create the aha for yourself. You want to create the aha in your coachee. And he created the aha for her because he walked her through the questions. He walked her through the steps. And then she goes, oh, now I see. And that's nirvana. That's what we want that to look for. That is a powerful concept. Right. And the good news is we're going to be doing more of these where you're going to even have more concepts. But that's pretty powerful. So we'll. That's the basis. That's the foundation. That's that's if you can master that, you can be a master coach. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? They can give they can look at my website, www.royroland.com. And that's the easiest and quickest way to get a hold of me. And I do tons of speaking and I do tons of coaching for companies around the country. And I just love it. And it's just uh, it's transformative to see companies transform uh, is just remarkable. And to see the CEOs go, I am so grateful we did this. It has been so helpful for our team. And it's been you know, it's made my job easier. And it's also changed how they do their job because they've never been taught how to coach many of them. And so all of a sudden, they and their team knows how to coach, and it is transformative for their organization. Excellent. Thanks for joining us for Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production. Produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.